Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by What's the Big Idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. By yours truly, Jaime Cabrera. Pick it up on Amazon and now available on Audible. Welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game. This is your podcast, and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Welcome back to the program. Remote work, love it or hate it, it's here to stay, and that means leaders need to accept it, embrace it, learn how to adapt to it, and keep on leading. On today's show, we're speaking to Patrick Hawley, Executive Creative Director at Upwork, who's going to share his five keys to effective remote leadership. And spoiler alert, it has zero to do with monitoring people's computer activity and everything to do with just being a good human being. So without further ado, let's get into it with Patrick Hawley. Patrick Hawley, how are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for making the time to uh, join the podcast. You're in my favorite town of of all time, where I went to school at the University of Texas, Austin, Texas. The best, I, I think, oh. pound for pound, the best uh, city in the world. Agree or disagree? At least best pound. At least best pound for pound brisket. Uh, but I would agree with you on best pound for pound town for sure. After living now, you made me in- now 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 you made me think of 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 meat. Of Texas barbecue, <laughs> damn you for that! Damn you for that. Where, where is your? What's your go-to uh, barbecue place? Um, I like Kreutz Market in Lockhart, Texas. It's oh. uh, it's an old one, so old you walk through the uh, the pit to get all of your food, and uh, I just wouldn't suggest touching the walls because they've got about a hundred years of soot on them. Wow, that's I've never I've never heard of that. I mean, I know Lockhart is kind of you know a, a mecca for for barbecue. I don't, don't know that I've heard. That one. What about Franklin's? I've never been to Franklin's. Is it worth? Is it worth the hype? Have you been there? Um, I am uh, allergic to lines, so I I would say it's not worth the the wait. However, I have had it before. It's very good, but it's uh, you know you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong here. So it's like, would you rather wait in line for a day, or would you rather wait in line for twenty minutes and get basically the same thing? Yeah. 
All right. Well, now, 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 God, now you got me thinking about that. That's gonna be that's gonna be hard to get through today, especially because I'm gonna try not to eat uh, too much meat. But uh, again, welcome to the show. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you because we're gonna talk about a, a topic that I think is super relevant for the audience, right? And it's all about how we as creative directors lead during this time when we're doing things remotely. And you've 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 written a, a great piece about you know five different sort of principles that, that we should adopt, and we're going to jump into that. But first, I just want to know a little bit about uh, your career trajectory. I'm looking at, at your, your profile here. You've had some pretty interesting uh, gigs here from, you know, working with Steph Curry, which I would love to know about, working at Apple. Um, you have worked at Harley-Davidson as a, as a global brand director, and now you are currently the ECD at Upwork. Um, which is, you know, obviously uh, ties into what we're going to be talking about today. But just kind of give uh, the audience sort of the the quick tour of your career, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so I started uh, very traditional agency side at, at RGA in San Francisco, um, and basically, if you if you work in the Bay Area in advertising, you will find yourself in house somewhere sooner or later. Yeah, and I found myself sooner uh, at Apple. Um, uh, I was working at, um, at RGA working specifically on beats music and, uh, happened to be talking to Apple at that exact same time when they were considering acquiring beats music. So I actually, I came on to, to help launch Apple music and, and then wow. kind of that started this ping ponging back and forth of me between agency side and, and in-house. Um, but, uh, as of now, most of my time has been spent, uh, in-house at places like, uh, like, um, Apple and Uber and um, and, and Harley Davidson and, and Upwork, but uh, you did mention I, I took a, a little sojourner for a couple of years to to work directly with Steph Curry, which was a very interesting time in my life where we were uh, working to launch a um, a content platform with him in China um, because oh. it turns out that there are more people who play basketball on a weekly basis in China than people who exist in America. <laughs> so, um, huge yeah, opportunity there. Yeah. yeah for him. I, I've heard that, that, yeah, that China is a huge, a huge basketball, um, d they're just crazy about it. So yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I actually saw on, on your profile that you worked at Octagon for a little bit. I did. Um, yeah. And that's actually, uh, who represents, uh, Jeff Austin yeah. at Octagon represents Steph. And so I've, I've actually had some experience with Octagon myself. Yeah, yeah, we were, we worked uh, we we were part of sort of the Octagon Sports and Entertainment Network as one of our agencies. But yeah, I've worked closely with those guys for for many years, and they're the uh, the super you know top dogs when it comes to sports uh, marketing and representing athletes and stuff. So if you're listening, John Shea, there's your there's your shout out. <laughs> All right, okay, cool, and and so obviously that brings you up um, you know to what you're doing there, and so what is what is your your big mandate? At Upwork, I did see, and I would love for you to tell us. I did see the, the the brand new campaign, which I think is brilliant, right? And and if you haven't seen it, um, please Google it. It's all around this idea of, and I'll let you explain it. So I won't, I won't, uh, I won't, I won't blow you the surprise here. But I, I love the insight, which is work working culture and working style was something that was just invented. Right. Many years ago it was invented that we should all go to an office and that we, we should all work nine to five. So the premise is 
why don't we invent something new? What's holding us back from inventing something new, which means that you can work from anywhere and and, and the, that whole that whole old model is sort of outdated and let's invent something new. Is that my am, am I uh, spitting that back correctly? No, a hundred percent. I mean, um, the, the, the ways that we work, um, are reflective of the ways that, that we need to work and the things that we're trying to get done and the way that we work together and the tools that we have at that time. And, and we kind of are coming up to this inflection point that started in 2020, where, um, we realized that the ways that we work hadn't been rethought since basically the industrial revolution Yeah, and the, you know, going into the office nine to five, uh, coffee breaks, literally every part of our, um, of our, our kind of day to day in the workplace was created for a purpose. But that purpose was when you had to go into a factory and that's where the gigantic machines that you worked on were. And all of those things that, um, made a, you know, a commute to an office, a, uh, you know, eight hours in that office, uh, make sense. But the reality is between then and now, we've had so many different uh, um, kind of evolutions in the way that we work in terms of uh, what we're working on, literally what we're working on, like from machines to, to computers, right. um, uh, the fact that we are more connected than ever, uh, more easily than ever. Uh, but we never kind of rethought the idea of, do we really all need to go into an office nine to five? And um for some people still the answer is yes, but the reality is we now have that optionality and we should explore that as a working culture, as opposed to just kind of going with, well, we've always done it that way. Just continue doing it that way. Um, so we at Upwork, you know, we run, uh, you know, a, a platform that is based on allowing people to unlock their potential in whatever way they see uh, fit um, and allow, you know, hires to hire people from all over the world uh, and people who are all over the world to find work. And, um, so we wanted to, with our new campaign, kind of be the champion of that, uh, of the fact that, um, you know, work should rise to your potential and not the other way around. So, um, what, you know, in, in kind of doing so, we wanted to find a provocative way to do that. And, yeah. um, there's no uh, more kind of appropriate way than saying the old ways of working are dead than having a dead guy say them. <laughs> um, so, yes. uh, so Jack McDykel, our zombie CEO has been the hero of our past campaign, uh, where in which he does in fact say the old ways of working are dead and he does so in song. So, um, that was very, very fun to do and, um, and has been uh, very successful for the business, thankfully. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I love that that he comes to life, right? And all these people, they're sitting around, uh, they're sitting around a conference room, and they're all saying, you know, we get we need to get everybody back into the office. That's the way Jack would have wanted it, or something to that effect. And then he kind of rises from the dead and basically says that it's all bullshit. And it's like, you know, <laughs> and if the dead CEO can get behind it, right, and say like, we need to invent something new. I mean, uh, just just so kudos on that because it's just so brilliant and so clever and just the insight is just great. And I'm a big believer of, the, of that whole thing that everything is just invented, right? I mean, somebody had to invent everything. So the idea that somebody invented that working culture, let's just invent something new. So again, congratulations on that. Um, well, let's jump into this topic because I think it's it's a great one. Um, tell us, I mean, what have you discovered and has, have these, uh, you, they, these five keys, um, to effective remote leadership, has this been something that you've been 
you know, developing over the years? Has this been stuff that, you know, be, because of your position at Upwork that you've been able to be exposed to other leaders that work this way? Or how did you develop these five keys? Um, by fucking it up over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my, the that's my school, confession. Yeah. The school of um, fucking things up is, is, uh, is, a great, uh, is a great university, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the saying is um, what a necessity is, is the mother of all invention. Right. And I think we found ourselves, uh, you know, we meaning, you know, uh, uh, leaders in general and workers in general, I'll, just, I'll focus on creative directors for now. Yeah. We kind of found ourselves in this, in this world where, you know, March 2020 rolled around and what used to be done in, you know, a uh, little office in New York uh, where you have a bunch of creatives huddled around some, you know, some whiteboard um, has now been exploded out around the country, in some cases, the world, where everyone's trying to kind of recreate that magic um, in, uh, in, in a completely new way that in many cases removed a lot of the magic from the creative process. You know, when I think about the way that I've made most of the work in my entire career, especially 100% of the work prior to 2020, it was, um, you know, sitting next to people, not necessarily talking about work, but generally having the idea of what you're trying to work on in the back of your head and almost stumbling onto stuff. You yeah. know, that kind of creative serendipity of just being in proximity with people and talking about things and, hey, what about this? What about that? What about that? And then breaking apart and then coming back and be like, Hey, I thought about this. And you know, that's kind of the, the, the way that we came up with, with work before and, and, and ideas and, 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 and matured them and made them into what eventually ended up becoming, you know, work and the spots that we made and everything like that. Um, and so we as creative directors had to figure out how to kind of recapture that lightning in a bottle in a way that removed a lot of the, 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 um, the ways that we used to do it in the past, quite, yeah. quite literally. Um, so, uh, you know, I found myself, the first time I did this was cause I got my job at Harley Davidson. Um, I interviewed the first week of March, 2020, and wow. I got my job the first week of April, 2020. Wow. And the way in which I was going to approach that team drastically shifted in between those two meetings. Yeah. And, you know, having had this team that I'd never met before that, uh, was in a, uh, uh, a part of the country that I'd only been to one time to interview at, and they had been working in you know, Harley Davidson is, you know, surprisingly a very old school company in terms of just like they work in the same building that the engines for Harley Davidson's was made back in like the early 1910s. Yeah. Um, I've, so been to, like, I've been to the, we, we actually just a side note, we, we, um, as advantage, we pitched, um, uh, Harley Davidson. It was probably, well, it was pre pandemic. So it would have been, you know, maybe 18 or something like that, but we went and toured the facility and went to the, mm -hmm to the HQ and, and, uh, yeah, you're right. It, it is a, you know, very rich brand history. Uh, but anyway, it just reminded me of, of that visit, but go ahead. Sorry. No, it, but you're, you're talking about, it does have a very rich brand history and, and it has a very rich history of, of working literally hands-on with things, you know, yeah. you're, when you're actually building something and, and the, the way that they marketed their product was no different. So the team was all together and the team had been together for a long time before I even got there. So I was this weird new guy who was in charge of leading this this large team of of creatives and and editors and PR people and all, reps and all these kind of folks that they're basically like who the hell is this guy? And, and was, so, so were, were you originally meant to move to Milwaukee or oh yeah you you were, were going to oh, yeah. move okay I had an apartment picked out and everything wow um, and and so having that kind of shift happen 
you know, what felt like overnight. Um, and then having to come in and, and, and truly lead a group of people who I had never met before, um, but who knew each other very closely, um, right. was, was kind of the, 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 uh, refiner's fire that created, you know, the way that I lead today. Yeah. Um, but, you know, fast forward to, to starting at Upwork, um, you know, I was met with a similar, but, uh, luckily a little less intense refiner's fire because uh, Upwork's been remote forever. Yeah, right. You know, they've they've been around oh, in one as a com- as a company they themselves have been remote. Uh in one shape or another, yes, but wow. like uh, fully remote um since I believe for and and I'm sure my my PR person will correct me on this, but uh around uh 2020 it was guaranteed 100% remote, but before that there was a lot of people who were remote anyway. For example, the person who was managing me when I first started um she had been remote the entire time she'd worked there. And, um, so, uh, you know, the, the company being one that allows you to hire and, um, and get jobs remotely, uh, they kind of wanted to dog food that themselves and, and have had that as part of their culture for a long time. Um, so coming in here, uh, I had a team that was 100% remote. They're spread from Japan to New York city and everywhere in between. And, um, so I was able to kind of take a lot of things I learned from Harley around, um, uh, you know, how to work with and manage people and uh, really kind of refine them even further. And that led to me kind of going from this kind of frantic state of trying to lead this team at Harley, which, which, you know, it ended up luckily working out to really being able to like, you know, hit my stride in, in Upwork. And, and what I led it, uh, landed with was kind of these five key yeah. tenants that ended up being um, kind of the core of, of the way that I, I lead remotely. And, and those are kindness, communication, drive, humility, and craft. Uh, and, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, um, each one of them, and, and those, you know, they all have kind of their own deeper meaning that we can go into. But um, that also is something that I realized too, when you're, when you're leading a team remotely, having a lot of visibility or transparency to your team and like, Hey, these are my values as a leader. This is how I'm going to lead. This is how to work with me. And literally coming into this with like a user manual on how to work with you is incredibly helpful. It's something that actually our CMO, Melissa waters, when she came in, um, uh, in, I think it was January 22. Um, she was like, Hey, I'm Melissa. And this is how you work with me. And it was literally a document on how to work with her. And I was like, that is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's how I, uh, I do it as well. And, and these five uh, tenants are part of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, so, yeah, yeah I want to get in, I want to get into it. Um, and I, you know, I have similar, a similar thing in my book too, where I kind of, you know, outline like these are the, these are my principles. Right. And I love that you started off with kindness because, um, you know, that that this interaction can be very cold, right? In some ways, um, we're, we're talking through a screen. So I love that you start off with with kindness because I think that is probably the key to to forging that relationship and and leading to trust. So start us off there with with kindness number one. Absolutely. I mean, kindness is the first uh, of this list, not by accident. Uh, no. It's the foundation by which all the other tenants are based. Because you know, you said it perfectly. When you're going to be remote you take a lot of the humanity out of things and the humanity of, of, um, of, uh, the way in which you work with people, the way you see people, the way that you, you, uh, you treat them is so key to actually being able to, to make a good work with them. 
And so, um, you know, a lot of my team um, spends a lot of time being kind, like actively being kind to each other. So uh, what we end up doing is uh, trying to um, uh, be as present and as um, anti-work as possible and as many meetings as possible. Because when you think about like when you are, um, uh, you know, in this, this remote world, you don't have like a, hey, hi, man, you know, see you in the hallway, give you a high five, and we have that mode of connection. Every single time you go and, 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 and interact with somebody, it is because of work. You know, you set a meeting because you have something to talk about related to work. Yeah. And so every single meeting, you know, has a, a predetermined reason. And that reason isn't, I just want to get to know you, you know? Yeah. And so what we try to do in, in our meetings is set time to talk about things that are not work. So our Monday meeting is, uh, is my, my favorite thing to do every, every week. And it's kind of like my secret weapon in this. And, um, so we, uh, you know, obviously many teams have a, a, a Monday meeting or some kind of meeting to be like, Hey, here's what we're doing for the week. Here's, you know, uh, creative, what are you working on production? What are you working on? So on and so forth. And, um, we still do that in this meeting, but the meetings now are long. We spent 15 minutes talking about actual work. Yeah. The rest of the time is actually learning, to, learning about people in a way that uh, is, is outside of work. So, for example, every single week, we start out with what we call food for thought. And it's somebody who comes in and tells us something about the world we didn't know. And, uh, you know, one person can talk about uh, something related to creativity or they can talk about, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, for example, one person on our team runs an organic farm in Corona, California. Yeah. And she's like, hey, food for thought. Here's how soil works. And we literally had to talk about like how, how soil and crop rotation, all that kind of stuff works. Uh, and it was fascinating. And we learned more about her as well. And then we also have another part that we do called humble brag where, you know, uh, somebody on the team will talk about something cool they've done. And as creatives, uh, you well know that uh, we're, we're kind of uh, multidimensional to a fault. No one is just like, Hey, I'm an art director. They're like, I also run this business or I also do this thing. Or I also was in this play, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and we had, uh, you know, for example, the last one we did was someone who is an art director on our team, but they're like, Hey, I also am very into, uh, moon cycles. And so they created this thing called moonery. Uh, her name is Sandra. Um, and she created this thing called moonery, which is a beautifully designed book, uh, that you can learn about your star signs and how they relate to you. It's also a journal. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you get to know people on a multidimensional level, which allows you to be more kind to them because you know them, you know, kindness is hollow. If you're just like, Hey, honey, nice hair, you know, <laughs> but if I know that, that you, for example, um, you have a dog and I go, Hey, Jaime, how's, you know, how's Charlie yeah. doing? Yeah. You know, that is a much better and much more kind of like a uh, human way to connect with people because you know them. Yeah, and you know what? What I've been, um, what I've noticed is even using some of these little silly tools that are built into these platforms, right? Like sending a little heart emoji or a little clap, or yeah. you know these little things. Even though they're 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 you know they're they're little artifacts that aren't real. I mean that that helps so much, right? To, to send that, somebody gets a promotion and you send a little heart or a little clapping. And there's nothing that I hate worse than just join a, a, a call where people are just like, there's no, there's no, you know, uh, nodding and in, in understanding. There's no, you know, mm -hmm. hey, you know, somebody new to the team, there's not a little wave or a, a thumbs up. Like it drives me bonkers because it's so, it's so easy 
And yes, we're separated by this screen, but those little things, they matter. And we have the, the tools and, and they're not, maybe they're not as, as uh, warm as like a, you know, a pat on the back or whatever, but they're the best thing that we have. And yeah. I think people need to, to use those things because they make a difference. I think I totally agree. And that's actually, I, I totally forgot about this thing. Um, but the, the most important part of our Monday meetings is we take 15 minutes at the end of it to give thanks for each other. That's cool. And, um, I'll tell you at first it was like pulling teeth from an alligator. Yeah. Uh, like getting, getting creatives to be, uh, open and, and honest with each other and, and uh, speak up, uh, was not an easy task, but, um, uh, you know, we just kind of kept doing it, kept doing it. And now, uh, at the end, you know, immediately people will start being like, Oh, Hey, I, you know, I want to give thanks for Gabe. He was, you know, he did this, this, and this for me. I just really want to say thank you. Yeah. Or, you know, I want to give a shout out to the writing team, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's just, um, it's nice to get people warm and fuzzies when, uh, everything about the way that we work together in terms of like, we're connected by technology. We, uh, don't see each other in person and, and able to like, you know, share a drink with each other. All the things that allow for human, human connection have been stripped away. Over indexing on openness and humanity allows for you to kind of make up that difference and bridge that gap. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So let's jump into number two communication. Yeah. I mean, so again, thinking about what we were talking about before with all of the old ways that we used to work kind of a, or communicate or connect have been stripped away. Um, in this new way of working, we almost have an, an overabundance of ways to communicate. You know, Slack, email, Teams, text, all those things that they almost become even less uh, human because you're just like, okay, cool. I can just, I sent you a thing. Boop, there you go. Uh, now Jaime knows I need this thing from him and I can just go back to whatever I care about that time. There's no need to like actually sit down and, 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 uh, you know, really talk with somebody, really have them understand you and let them know what's going on because, uh, it's really easy in this day and age to just go within yourself. Like, especially if you're an individual contributor, if you're like a junior copywriter, it's really easy to just, all right, cool. I don't really need to talk any to anybody unless I'm like sending them my work. I can just go and work and, yeah. and you become, you know, lonely and you become disconnected and you don't see that kind of human connection as part of your, of your role as a member of this team. When in reality, it very much is. Um, because if you're on a team, you have to work with people and part of working with people is talking with them. Yeah. And, and especially when it comes to creativity, you need to have that kind of discourse in order to create good work. And so what I told my team is, um, you know, similar with the idea of kindness, you need to make time to, uh, to get to know people because, uh, you are going to have difficulties and issues with and and come to impasses with the members of this team. It's never going to be hunky-dory. That's because we're all humans. So what I need from you is to make sure that you are taking time to connect with the people around you, to set one-on-ones with them, to allow for you to start kind of having a well-trodden path of communication with them that allows you to understand each other as humans, because you don't want the first time you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody to be when you need to talk about something. Yeah. Difficult. When you have to yeah, get difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so that's just, you need to have an overabundance of communication if you're going to make this thing work. Yeah. I'm just curious real quick. I don't want to derail us too much because we have a lot to cover here, but do you foresee a world where, you know, where VR starts to enter in this thing and, and we're all kind of maybe not the whole day because I would get uh, kind of tiring, but you know, we are kind of meeting in a virtual world for, uh, for the team meeting, right? You can kind of look around and talk to each other and pull each other aside. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you foresee that kind of in the, in the future? Um, yes, but yeah, I, I know don't there's things out there. It. I mean, there's, there's tools out there now, but I'm just curious yeah. what your thoughts are. And I've tried some before. Um, but I don't really foresee it being any more allowing for any more connection than just like being on a, on a zoom with people, okay. because I think that there's, you know, yes, it's interesting to be able to look left and right and see Jaime on my left and Gabe on my right. And they're like doing the little wave thing. And, and that's cool. But the reality is, is that you give up a lot in order to get that experience. So mm-hmm. I can't, for example, see like, you know, for those of you who are listening, you can't tell this, but I'm, Looking at Jaime uh, as we're doing this, and I see uh, a Fender Stratocaster, what looks to be a Fender Stratocaster, and a Fender Telecaster right behind him. I now know something more about him, and I can tell him that I have a Fender Telecaster right there on my left. Nice, and yeah. and we can connect on that level. And so I think that like you're kind of you're you're um, if you're doing that VR route, you are almost getting closer to the real thing in terms of like spatial awareness and stuff while simultaneously getting further away from the real thing, you know, cause when you think about what you're trying to do is you're really trying to connect with people and yeah. find commonality and learn about them and grow a connection with them. And I just, I, at least in its current state or where I can see it going in the near future, I don't know if VR is going to do it. All right. That's fair. That's fair enough. All right. Let's jump into number three craft. <laughs> yeah. So craft is, um, something that uh, if you've worked in advertising, you've probably heard so many times, you never want to hear that word ever again. Uh, but the reality of it is that um, if you are going to be working together in a remote team, uh, you know you gain a lot of things. You you gain the ability to live wherever you want to, to spend more time with your kids or your dog, or um, you know, for me, it allowed me to move to Austin, Texas, which is someplace I've wanted to live for a decade, but the work wasn't here for me at the time. And so you get so much with it um, that you have to remember why you're here. You know, you're not here. Like this isn't a vacation where you get to kind of like bop in and, and, uh, and, and do a little bit of work here and there. You still have to realize that we're all here in service of the work. And so, um, you know, I always tell my team, uh, uh, outputs over inputs. Like, I don't care if you can get your work. Like work is not adult daycare. I don't care if you get your work done in eight hours or six hours or 16 hours or whatever, as long as you provide what is expected of you. And so um, that's kind of like a reminder, the craft kind of part of this is a reminder that um, we're still here to make great work, although we have different situations in which we're making it now than we did you know, a few years ago. Um, always keep your eye on the prize because the, the, the reason why we're all here is to make something great. That's cool. Now moving into number four, uh, humility. So uh, humility is something that I think is particularly important um, in the world of creativity because it's very easy for us as creatives to get lost in the fact that, um, oh, everybody understands the creative process. Everybody understands, mm. the, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the nuances of, of, a, of a production bid. Everybody, no, no. Absolutely fucking not. They do not. It is a completely niche uh, discipline. 
And uh, when you are working with, if you're agency side, when you're working with a client, or if you're in-house, when you're working with your partners across the organization, you need to realize that um, you have to, uh, there is a certain level of, um, of, I would say education, but understanding you must have for the people who you're working with. It's like, you know, if you thought that it was hard to communicate this stuff to uh, partners when we were all in an office together, it's even harder now in some cases. And so you need to make sure that, you know, you approach those interpersonal communication opportunities and those connections with the kindness of communication and, and, and craft that would be expected of, um, of, of you know, uh, the end result of what that partner is looking for. And so, yeah. uh, you know, with humility, it's, it's always, you know, I guess one more thing on that is that we also as creatives have spent our entire uh, careers in many cases, seeing our ideas be killed in front of our eyes like a sacrificial lamb. And <laughs> yeah. that is hard. You know, I, you know, I don't want to downplay that. Right. Um, but the, the reality is that, um, you know, we as, as partners, both uh, for agency side to our clients again, uh, or, or in-house, we as partners to the people who are actually making work for need to understand that uh, we as creatives aren't always right. You know, they have business, uh, you know, objectives, they have goals, they have these things that, you know, we need to work with them on. And so approaching every situation with humility and uh, the understanding that this is a team sport uh, is going to make your life so much easier as a creative. Yeah. And and do you agree? So um, and, I, and I love that, that you mentioned that, right, because. Often the the time the the thinking is like well we you know we're the experts we took it all in and we you know here's the idea that we came up with and it's absolutely yeah, just right it. and you're not getting <laughs> yeah you're not get, you're not you're not getting it or whatever uh, does that um, does that mean more because I think it means more involvement bringing the client in earlier or any kind of key stakeholders earlier in the process bringing them in because they do know stuff that we don't right. We're looking at it in a certain way and we do, you know, have lots of information, but there may be some piece of information that we're not privy to or something that's coming down the pike that we don't know or any number of things. And I think I think a solution to that is bringing people and stakeholders into the process um, earlier and, and more often. Do you agree with that? I couldn't agree more. I think that there's, you know, the, the world of creativity is opaque. And in some cases, even for me as, as an executive creative director, it's opaque to me because the working teams have worked on something for so long and we're finding want to bring it to me as perfect. And I'm going to have feedback on it yeah, because I haven't seen it before. And so if you yeah. bring me in earlier, we can build it together and I don't totally kill your baby in front of your face. You know? <laughs> and yeah. so that same thing goes with clients and especially if you're in-house, yeah. you know, because your, your partners are, um, you know, literally a slack away, you know, you know, them, they know you, they're your perma clients. So just bring them in, allow them to trust you and you can trust them. Uh, and that allows for you to make better work. What do you think the, what do you think the fear is in doing that? I, I've, I kind of attributed, I think there's a, there's obviously us creatives where we're, um, you know, can be, a little sensitive and things like that. And maybe the fear is that somebody's going to, you know, poop, poop all over your work or whatever. But what do you, what do you think the other fears are with bringing people in? I think maybe it's also like, well, I don't want them to mess with my idea. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but to your point, you're going to have feedback. 
somebody else going to have feedback to my mind it seems like it would make sense to to get over that and just bring people in because they're going to have feedback they're not going to accept very rarely is anybody ever going to accept your idea wholesale right they're going to mm-hmm. be like i like that but how about this and then about that what what right. is it what is that is um, it is it pride is it fear is it um you know, ego, what, what do you think? Or a combination? It is, it is D all of the above. Yeah. Pride, fear, ego, um, uh, the, the desire for ownership and credit and all those things play into it because, um, ultimately at at the end of the day, creativity is subjective. Right. You know, you can, you can try to say, Oh, this is the right idea. This is the wrong idea. But the reality is it's just whoever's looking at it can determine that. And, um, you know, especially when you get into, the, you know, you, you move yourself back from like the actual execution, you know, like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to, to, to direct something as well as, you know, Ivan Zacharias. It's just a fact. I can't. And he has a technical knowledge. I do not. Um, but when you move yourself back from the execution and the technical side of things to the actual strategy and the idea and this kind of nebulous world of, you know, what, what is the, to, you know, steal your book name, what is the big idea? Um, you know, that gets into a much more um, free for all space where it is, it is subject truly is subjective. And right. so, uh, you know, you can have all of the, the, the research and the data and the strategy and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to actually addressing that with an idea, it is subjective. And that is scary for people because yeah. you don't want to be wrong. Yeah. And yeah. If you are going to be putting yourself out there as a creative and you're like, Hey, I made all this work. I spent all this time on it. I believe in this. You know, we feel so good about it. You've already, you know, had the daydreams of you going up on the stage at Cannes and collecting your lion. <laughs> and, and then, you know, somebody who, uh, you know, you're working with says, Hey, I just don't get it. Yeah. You know, there's nothing more crushing, but the reality is, is that their opinion is also valid. And you, you need to realize that. You're just a cog here. And that is said in the best way possible because, you know, of course I've left jobs before because I felt like I was a cog in a wheel. I'm sure we all have. But the reality is, is that if you can understand that you are a part of the process, a vital part of process, but you're as part of the process, you're going to allow yourself to be a lot more happy because you're going to understand how to work within that process and make great work on the other end. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to a follow-up question is, how do, you, do you, how do you teach you, people on your team to, you know, maybe be a little bit less sensitive about criticism or, you know, how to, how to, how to take criticism or feedback and, you know, not, not uh, you know, leave the room in, in a ball of tears? Like, how, how, do you, how do you coach people to be like, hey, you need to, you know, be, take the feedback and listen to it? How do you, how do you coach that? Asking um, for a friend, asking for a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you find out, let me know. Um, but no, the, the way, the way that I try to approach it are kind of multifold. The first one is, um, is to, when I, you know, things I can directly control, when I am giving them feedback, I try to be, try to think about all the creative directors I had in the past that, uh, were great and all the creative directors I had in the past that were not great. And the reality is it came down to mostly how they assess the work. Not like, Hey, do they like my work or not like my work? But literally, did they, when they told me, you know, hey, this is good or this is bad, they told me why. Yeah. And and tried to, to be more just like, hey, I don't like it. You know, that's really just, it's a creative director version to go fuck yourself. And that does right. not feel good. And so I try to, because I'm the person who gives them most of their feedback, I try to make sure that that feedback has 
re- like reason behind it and and is is as kind as possible and as clear as possible. We also have a saying on my team: um, clear as kind, unclear as unkind. And so we try to be as clear as possible in that sense. So the first way is the one I can directly control. I make sure I get them good feedback. So also, hopefully, being a steward for them in their future, they they end up being a good creative director when they ascend to that level. That's the first one. Second one is um, that when uh, they are um, having you know a, maybe a tough feedback session or whatever, and it is not going great. Um, aftercare, <laughs> you know, I literally just will talk to them afterwards or their, or their, their direct kind of creative director. will talk to them afterwards and just kind of immediately have a postmortem on it. Be like, all right, cool. How do you think that went? Yeah, and, yeah. and so just kind of like, all right, cool. Embrace them. Hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to work it out. And, and just trying to make sure they can focus on the work. You focus on all the difficult parts of dealing with them or whatever. So they can focus part, uh, focus on the difficult parts about, you know, dealing with the work. So uh, the things I can't control, I try to do aftercare. So things I can control, yeah. I try to do the best I can. Things I can't control, I try to immediately follow up on. And the third one is actually something that we're doing this week um, with uh, the, the larger marketing team is that uh, my team has uh, created documentation and training on how to give effective creative feedback. Wait, so, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to use my little clapping sound here. Let's see if this goes live. <sighs> Because I just I just posted. <laughs> All right, that's an indication that that's going into the into the cut down. This this is this is like monumental thinking. You're actually l- teaching people something and training them on something. Wow! Because I just I just did a post on on LinkedIn that was that it was based on something that I had heard, and it turns out it's uh, it's from my new my new boss. But he said, you know, people get more training to become a, a a manager at a fast food restaurant than they do to become a a creative director and then i got somebody obviously yeah. that said well being a manager at it and i'm like yeah yeah i know that's the whole point it's like we should also get training but that's great i love that tell us tell us more about that yeah so um it goes back to what i was saying about humility is that uh there is no um there is no training on the creative process. People who have not been working in it for the, their entire careers, you know, there is such a shorthand. There's such an understanding. There's such a like, a, Oh, this is cause they're, you know, while feedback is subjective, the way in which that feedback is delivered is completely objective in terms of what is actually actionable and what is not, Yeah, you know, Hey, uh, add some more, uh, you know, make it pop more is like to a designer, the equivalent of go fuck yourself. Yeah. And so, um, you it know, that something, is, yeah. Exactly. And so it's, you know, again, clear is kind, unclear is unkind. We're trying to bring that, you know, demystify and, 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 uh, and, and make it more transparent, the creative process for the purpose of one, allowing our creative team to work more efficiently and quickly and happily, and two, making better work. Because if you allow someone to understand, hey, this is what the creative process looks like, this is how to insert yourself in it at this, 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 and this point. And this is what a, a proper, um, you know, interaction looks like. Then they'll be like, great. That's how I'm going to do it. But if, you know, you don't, it goes back to the ideas of ego and, and, and pride and all that kind of stuff. People will come into a, uh, you know, a room in which they are meant to give feedback and just be like, uh, and then if they don't know, just come up with something and they'll stick to that that feedback no matter what. Even if they're second guessing it later on, 
their pride is going to stop them in many cases from actually like, hey, let's back up. I was wrong the first time. Let's talk about this again. So let's give them the tools from step one to be great partners so we can be great partners to them. That's great. Let me ask you something. Can you can you as a creative director be convinced? So somebody comes in and presents something to you and you're like, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. And you want to and you give them some, you know, some feedback. Can, can you be convinced if they say, well, actually, why I did that was because A, B and C. It sounds like you can all the yeah. time. Yeah, happens all the time. And and a lot of the time I will poke and prod at ideas, not because I think they're wrong but because I want them to prove to me that they're, that they're right. You know, there's a lot of creativity that can be done just for the sake of creativity. I, I've done it so many times in my career. I'm sure you have too, where you're just like, yeah. this thing is cool and I want to make it. Yeah. And in, you know, in execution, I'm sure a lot of it is very cool, but is it actually answering the brief? Is it the right way to answer the brief? Could we have done it better, cheaper, faster, which is also something that creatives hate, but right. is a question that business will ask. Like, how can we make sure that this is, if it is a great idea, it is a bulletproof idea. Um, and, and so a lot of the times I will ask those questions and it again, trains the team to think about that ahead of time. So they're not, you know, caught flat footed and it happens all the time where I'm like, I didn't think about it that way. You completely have thought through this. Thank you so much. Go forth and make it. Um, and I think, you know, that's also something that uh, I tried to look back on my career and be like, the best creative directors are the ones that were, you know, uh, it's what's the saying? Um, come to a room with uh, um, uh, like deep beliefs lightly held, or mm. like uh, you know, and 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 wow. you should come in passionate about things, but you should also be as willing to let them go in the face of of, um, of a better idea. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I like that. Deep, deep beliefs held lightly. That one will go into the cut down too. That's, that's great. Let me, let me uh, ask you one more thing and then we'll move on to number five. But this is something that, um, that I had a, a guest on, Ben Levy, who, was, who talked about pitching, how to pitch ideas and stuff. And he said one of the mistakes that, that, that he made kind of early on was sort of the opposite where he was so, in some ways, and I, hopefully I'm I'm describing this properly, but in some ways he w- he had gotten so good at being detached from the work that when he was pitching it, it almost came across as like he didn't care or he wasn't passionate about one idea versus the other. Um, until somebody until his boss told him one time he was like, you know, you can you can kind of like advocate and, and fight for your idea. Right. And in his mind, he was thought, well, the client's going to, you know, make the decision on which one they think is best. But how do you think that that fits into it, too, when you're pitching an idea? Right. Because it's it's not it's different. It's not get up, get you're you're not defending your idea because you're insulting it. You're defending your idea because you think that it's that it's good or that it can work. Exactly. And there's yeah. two kinds of, of, of defense. The first one is I just like the idea and I want to make it. Yeah. And it is. And the other one is. I have understood the brief. I have 
done all of my due diligence. I have gamed this out on my end. And this is the one that I truly believe is the right answer. And I will fight for that for that reason. Yeah. And I've seen people come to, you know, meetings with me. I have come to meetings with those two types of approaches. One is right and one is wrong. I'll give you one guess as to which one. And, yeah. and the, the reality is, is that, you know, um, you need to, and the more you kind of like, uh, you know, evolve as, as a, as a, um, as a creative, the more you realize that, um, you go into these meetings with people who are, are not like creatives. They're, they're not, your client is not your creative director. And so you need to be able to go to them and be like, here is my professional opinion. You know, you don't go to the doctor and you're like, they're like, yeah. Hey, could it be cancer. It could be a stomach ache. You choose, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. you need to go in there and be like, this is my professional opinion. This is why. Yeah. What do you think? And, and so yes, you absolutely need to come into something with, um, with those, like I said, kind of a, the deep beliefs lightly held. Yeah. But the, the basis of a deep belief and the reason why you're holding it in the first place is because you've worked hard on it and you, you believe it will work. Yeah. All right. Good, good. I love that. Okay. So let's get into the final one here. Uh, drive. Tell us about drive and why that's important. Um, yeah. So uh, the theme of my team for the year, every year I have a different kind of theme that we try to go into. And the theme this year is personal ownership. Um, and, uh, whether you are at an agency or you are in-house, uh, whether you are remote or you're in an office, um, no team will work unless every member of the team thinks of this as their business. And I mean that in every sense of the word, you know, when you think about talking to a client, you think about the work you're making, when you think about, you know, if you're a production side budgeting and, and things of that nature and timelines, um, there's no time for backseat drivers when making great work. Mm. And, um, so when I talk to my team about drive, uh, I literally have this, um, this, this gif of a clown who's sitting at a table and he says, Oh, this, this is my house. And I don't know where it's from. Uh, I just love it so much because it's yeah. weird. Um, but, uh, the reality is, and it has the yeah, thing next to there, the clapping hands and all like, this is your fucking house. Yeah. Every single person on here from myself to uh to the strategists and the and the writers and the art directors designers and producers and everybody um this is your house this is our team this is not my team this is our team and if we don't treat it as such it's going to make everyone's life harder and we're not going to make great work so everybody needs to have accountability everybody needs to be the person who's going to raise their hand and uh and 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 take something on um because i don't have time for it we don't have time for it we need to move quickly towards great work, and and that's not going to happen with people, um, you know, taking a back seat. So um, that that is, is something that um, I think for me feels like the cherry on top of of the the kind of five um, five pillars that I, I like to have to run my team. But it's a very important cherry. It's one yeah. that allows us to go from good to great. Yeah, uh, I mean, what a great. Uh, set of principles and and to your point early on right it's like here's here's the manual here's the manual for for working with me right and it's not for me we're all in this together but here's a great way to kind of give it some structure and and, and you know structure that that is sort of wrapped up in you know kindness and humility but still some structure right and it's like yeah. there's there's still structure here there's still form there's still method to the madness and and, but it's all wrapped up in kindness. So I, I love that, man. Thanks for 
thanks for sharing these. Um, I know that I'm inspired. I, I, I kind of, if I'm being honest, and you know, people, I always try to be honest because I know sometimes my team members are listening. I, I, I start some of these things, right? Um, in terms of the principles, I think I've, I, I've, I've done a good job. But in terms of like this, this, sta- this weekly sync meeting or this, you know, and, and some of the things that you talked about, I'm inspired to, to get more disciplined about that, that kind of stuff, right? It's like, let's do a, a weekly, you know, Friday night, sh- uh, Friday uh, afternoon shout out where we thank everybody for, mm-hmm. you know, doing their best job or give kudos or whatever. I need to get better and more disciplined about that. So, uh, on a personal level, thanks for inspiring me to to take a deeper look into what I'm doing to make sure that I'm fostering these uh, these relationships because we are working mostly remote. We're starting to go back into the office a little bit, but you know we're still mostly remote. So thanks for that. Um, where can people find you? Where's the best place for them to connect with you? And um, best place to connect with me, um, I, I really only I have a LinkedIn and I have an Instagram. The Instagram is just photos of my dog, so you're not going to really get much there. Uh, but my LinkedIn is usually the best place to find me. Um, I just look up Patrick Holly and find a picture of a guy smiling pretty big. And that's me. Yeah, that's you. Well, thanks again for making time to be on the podcast. I think this was a super um, helpful episode, and I think people are going to take a, a lot uh, from it. So thanks for sharing your wisdom, and I look forward to keeping our conversations going and, and uh, look forward to just uh, seeing all your success. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's honestly been really fun. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. Thanks to my very special guest, Patrick Hawley. Man, those tips uh, for remote leadership are really great. I'm going to have to steal some of those and put them in the next uh, version of this book. Of course, Patrick, I will need to get you permission to do that. But uh, if you're a creative director or you're aspiring to be a creative director, pick up What's the Big Idea? An Indispensable Guide to Becoming a Kick-Ass creative director by yours truly it's filled with lots of great information that you need to kick ass at the role it's available on amazon it's also now available on audible so check that out also if you're a creative director who's looking for a little one-on-one attention check out my website highmakerbrandcreative.com sign up for a 20-minute complimentary consultation to see if one-on-one coaching could be good for you all right folks until next time peace love and creativity see you